Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. All right, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Praise God. We're going to get into this word and let you get home and beat the Baptists to the buffet, at least the Pentecostals. They, they'll still be in church by the time you finish eating your, your food. That's a true story. <laughs> All right, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Close your eyes and join me. Um, Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. Pray none of me but all of you, supernatural divine utterance, that may boldly may know the mysteries of the gospel. I step into those offices that you've called me to, teacher, pastor, and I flow out of that grace. I thank you that your wisdom, I pray for your wisdom, that your wisdom will employ my mind and make my tongue of a pen of a ready writer. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Just stretch your hands towards me. Ask the Lord to use me in your own way. Make me, ask the Lord to make me usable, as Ron Hanbaki says. Lord, make me usable in your kingdom for such a time as this. Pray for supernatural boldness that I may speak your word with clarity and power. And Father, we render the, the, the assignments of the enemy none effect. In the name of Jesus, Satan, we remind you, you are under our feet in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that Jesus is victorious. The devil is defeated. And God, you are exalted. We thank you, Father, for a God-centered, Christ-exalting, spirit-filled service, spirit-led service in Jesus' name. We praise you and pray that you are granted to your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe in Jesus' name. Everybody agrees with this, says amen. 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 We're going to dive right into this, this word. Um, we're going to talk about the schemes of Satan. Everybody said the schemes of Satan. All right, so that we've been talking about unmasking Satan. What does that look like? Most people, when they think about Satan, they think about a, a man with a, uh, a fork, red um, tails, right? And, uh, so, and tail, I said tails, but what do you call that? Ears? Horns. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't even know. That's so, so, so distant from me. Uh, and then little tails and run around. And that's what most people think, or they think about a Satan worshiper. Um, some kind of sign or satanic Bible or maybe perhaps witchcraft, um, somebody doing voodoo or uh, working roots, as we say it down south or in Louisiana, right, roots. Um, you know, that's what people, when they think about Satan, that's what they think about. But th those things are obvious, and, but when we talk about Satan, it's much more in-depth than that. So I got a couple of things I need to clarify from last week. Last week, I, I was pretty hard on living your best life now. Let me just clarify that um, living your best life now, I'm not against um, you maximizing your potential. 
All right, so I don't want you to walk away like, I'm not supposed to maximize my potential. I'm not supposed to fulfill my God-given dreams. What I was attempting to say is I'm against um, the preaching of self-help as the, as the gospel of your life is going to be a better version of yourself. That is not what Jesus, Jesus did not come to make us comfortable, to make us, to, to give us our best days on the earth. And that's not really, you know, when you think about the apostles, they were crucified. Peter was crucified upside down. Um, we, we see John, the beloved John, he was the apostle that they put in some boiling hot water trying to kill him. And the love of God kept him alive. And we see um, even Thomas um, was, um, was, was persecuted. So those are, as part as, as a Christian, you're going to suffer as a Christian. Amen. And that's the part of the gospel that you don't hear in the popular media. And that's part of the gospel. Amen. Peter talks about suffering as a Christian. And usually people are suffering as um, making mistakes, but they don't suffer as a Christian, specifically in this country. And so living your best life is not that I was coming against. Is you know, not... Um, not, I wasn't talking about not coming to your, your full potential as what God's called you to, but I was coming against living a life that is comfortable for you to just be the American dream. That's what I was talking about. Um, as many of you know, I, this week I had an accident, um, and it was demonic by nature. And I was coming home from work, and on Thanksgiving Day, my wife had sent me to Walmart, which is the worst place to go to on Thanksgiving. And um, I was, and there was a car in front of me, and was at the stop sign, a traffic light, and um, the guy uh, turned green. He, he took off, and I was right behind him. I was listening to Aaron Cole, and um, this guy came. He ran the red light, and he missed the other guy, and he hit the front end of my car and spun around. If he, any moment, like a few moments later, he would have hit the door and hit me. But thank God for his protection. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to tell you how Satan got into that. Because this week I was talking to someone and um, I was talking about I'm going home to see Jesus. And I let that come out of my mouth. I said, huh, I'm, I'm going home to see Jesus real soon. And, and I really kind of meant it because I was feeling um, I, I, didn't, I was feeling kind of oppressed this week. I didn't want to preach this message. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. I'm going I'm to get somebody else to come in to preach this message. I, I don't want to preach this anymore. And I was feeling my emotions were like kind of all over the place at work. And I was aggravated at work and all this other stuff. And, and I was just kind of like thinking, man, um, it's much easier just to go home and be with Jesus. Let me just. And so I was talking to this individual. I was like, oh, I just want to go home to be with Jesus. And I really meant it. And then that morning of the accident, the Lord prompted me to declare that I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And so I believe, you can believe what you want to believe, but I believe the Lord revealed to me the way that the accident happened, the reason why the accident happened. I'm not saying all accidents happen because of that, right? But this accident happened because I opened my mouth and gave Satan something to use. Okay. Do, what, do with whatever you want with it. Agree with it. I disagree. It doesn't matter. Um, that's what God showed to me. So we got to be careful what we say. Amen. Amen. Amen.
and um, we have what we say. I remember one time my mom and I and Courtney and the kids, we were, I was mad at the dogs. I was like, you're going to die. <laughs> and my mom was like, be careful what you say, because what you say comes to pass. <laughs> and I was like, Lord, please don't let them die. <laughs> I kind of meant that at the time. <laughs> um, and so I just wanted to share with you how Satan came in. Um, I, uh, my car is not total, but it's, it's, it's not where it should be. But thank God I'm, I'm believing God for it to come back better than it was before the accident. Amen. Amen. And, um, and Alan threatened to send me, I better make sure I go to the doctor, get checked out. So he, he's like, go to the doctor. I don't care how you feel. Uh, so um, so we'll, we'll, we're going to this week. All right. So let's go dive into the schemes of Satan. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. I'm going to go to really hard. The schemes of Satan. Everybody said the schemes of Satan. It says this, finally, this is out of the ESV, finally be strong in the Lord and the power or the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes, King James says wiles, wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened um, fasten on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace and all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which with which you can extinguish all the flaming flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul is speaking from prison. He's writing from prison. All right, the word schemes simply means wiles, uh, which that doesn't help us, right, if you don't know what wiles are. Uh, it means a large um, scale systematic plan or arrangement. It, it also means for attaining some particular object or putting a particular ideal into effect. It's some type of plan, some type of systematic plan or arrangement. Another way of putting it is making plans, especially in a devious way, with the intent to do something illegal or wrong. So when we talk about schemes, the schemes of the devil, um, his plans are illegal, um, so he will try to make an illegal move on our lives or something wrong, something from an evil intent. It, it's, it's an elaborate plan or plot. How many know that Satan has a plot against us? If you don't believe it, I mean, some people are like, I just don't want to deal with the devil anymore. Then let me just pray for you to die right now. Yeah, yeah, because we got to deal with the devil. You got to deal with the flesh. You got to deal with the world. And you got to deal with the devil. If you're a Christian, you got to deal with the devil. And it will, be, it will behoove you to really study the, who the devil is, the enemy. Know your enemy. You need to know your enemy. You can't just sit back and just know the Lord. 
right? And the scriptures, the, de- the, Bi- the Bible talks about the devil. And so we need to understand who the devil is and his schemes. The devil is constantly at work. You can see it in the lives of people that belong to him. The devil has a specific scheme, a tailor-made scheme for each one of us individually. He has a scheme for your family. There, there, there are generations, and you can see that scheme being uh, fulfilled, right? Different generations of poverty and, and suicide or early death or cancer. What's the problem with, you know, this person has a cancer and it's passed down to the next person? Um, you, I've heard, I got a friend who, who, um, who committed adultery, and, and you said, wow, that's a lot of friends you have that committed adultery. So I'm going to stop. Um, who committed adultery, but his, his dad committed adultery, and the church that he was a part of, his, the pastor committed adultery, and all the elders committed adultery. <laughs> Y'all think that that's strange, right? But that, that there's something to be said about that particular uh, particular things that are designed. And you can see even um, certain churches um, don't thrive. They mainly say in the, um, the Northeast, like Maine, New England area. It, it's, it's really hard. I've heard from and I read books about many people trying to plant churches in, in um, New England. And it's like, it's like they're not moving. There won't be no church bigger than 200 people. <laughs> you know, it just, it, there's, there's just a a design to keep that um, like that. And then when I was in Uganda, um, 30, um, 70% of the people in Uganda are 30 years or younger. 70%, and many people have died of diabetes and, and um, HIV or AIDS, um, and it, it's, it was pretty rapid a while back. And so don't think that that's strange. Um, those things are designed on purpose by the enemy. And um, let, let, let's, let's look at this. Also, the devil wants to keep, what, first thing, he wants to keep you from being saved. That's the very first thing he'll do is try to keep you from being saved. But once you get born again, your eyes are open and you make a decision by the grace of God to come to the Father um, by the Holy Spirit drawing you, then you can be born again. You receive salvation. And then he wants to keep you from being filled with the Holy Spirit with the Bible evidence of speaking in tongues. And then he wants to, if he can't keep you from doing that, he'll try to keep you in religion or traditions of men, keep you in a dead church that's not doing anything, that's not praying anything, cannot pray beyond the ceiling, have creeds, the creeds and doctrines of men, reciting old men, old dead men traditions to keep that spirit alive. Um, so if he can't keep you from being born again, can't keep you from being filled, he'll, he'll, he'll keep you in a church that will pre- preach the traditions of men that is more concerned about what you have on than what's going on in the heart. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll keep you in a church where you shout all day and you never learn, get any understanding and you're never ever, ever witness to anybody. He'll keep you in a good church where you're comfortable of being saved and loving Jesus in the, that community, a utopia unto yourself. But when it comes to actually witnessing and winning the laws, th- there's no encouragement. <laughs> so we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. The Bible boldly declares that we are to be wise as a serpent. You know, a serpent is wise, right? Somewhat. <laughs> um, to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Uh, when I was a little boy, I used to catch little baby snakes. 
um, and I had it in a jar, like me and my friend, we caught baby snakes until one day my mom pulled up in her car and she said, what are you doing, boy? I said, catching snakes. She said, boy, don't you know the mother is around somewhere? You better go. I was like, oh, the mother, oh. <laughs> but I did that. I can't, there was no fear. There was no fear um, until after that. <laughs> but, but, but a serpent is wise. The Bible, Jesus says, be wise as a serpent, serpent, but harmless as a dove. So we're to be wise as our enemy. You better know that Satan has been studying humanity for 6,000 years. Don't think that you can overcome him within your own strength. He has been studying us. He knows our habits. He knows how to trigger things inside of us. Um, the Jesus said it like this, the, um, the ruler of this world comes and he has no claims on me. Is there anything in you that he has claims to? Is there anything that you have said that he can use against you? Is there anything that you have done that he can accuse you before the Father? So we must live clean lives. We must um, uh, pursue holiness, and we must l present our bodies as a living sacrifice. The, even like God will use our bodies, right? G Satan will use our bodies. Uh, let's go to James chapter 3. We're going to talk about three types of wisdom. There's three types of wisdom upon the earth. Everybody say three types of wisdom. There's the wisdom of God, there's the wisdom of man, and there's the wisdom of Satan or the wisdom of the devil. Did y'all know that the devil has wisdom? He has some wisdom. James chapter 3, let's go there. James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. Um, James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast but fault and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above or comes down from above, but it's earthly. Notice the next part. Unscriptural. And what else? Demonic. So there is some wisdom that is unscriptural and earthly and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So let's talk about the wisdom of Satan. First, I want to talk about the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is from above, number one, as you know. It's in meekness, and it's pure. This wisdom that the wisdom of God is pure, it's peaceable. God's wisdom is peaceable. It's gentle, and it's open to reason. It's not unreasonable. Uh, one of the prayers that we pray is that, Lord, deliver us from unreasonable and wicked men. So as a Christian, you need to be reasonable, right? Open to reason. Also, the wisdom of God is full of mercy and full of good fruits, and it's not impartial. In other words, you can get as much wisdom as you can handle. The Bible says, if any of us lack wisdom, let us um, ask of God, the giving God, as it says in the Greek, who abradeth not but giveth liberally. God is about giving us liberal our liberal portion of wisdom. He's a, he's a giving God. And he wants to give us some wisdom. The wisdom of God is also sincere, and I put down it's unlimited. The wisdom of God is unlimited. Sometimes you... Um, we, sometimes we deal with the, 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 res, um, the, the results or the symptoms of something and not the root of it. And the wisdom of God will help you get to the root of something. 
the wisdom of God. So instead of praying necessary for, like, let's say you feel like there's a, something attach, attacking, attacking your body, pray for the wisdom of God concerning your body. Amen? Because God will show you what the root cause of the problem and not just the symptom. Lord, deliver me from this cough. Lord, deliver me from this cough. Well, what's causing the cough? It may be allergies. It may be something that you're breathing in and so forth. So the wisdom of God, the wisdom of man is simply is, is common sense, right? That, that's one of the things we can, we can say the wisdom of, of man. It's persuasive words. When we talk about the wisdom of man, we talk about persuasive words. Wisdom of the age is taught by human wisdom, but it's limited. Um, there's some things we can learn from the wisdom of man, right? They, they, they constantly inventing something, right? The Internet and so forth. They're constantly inventing. Th Did y'all know the Internet was around in the 70s? Yeah, it was around in the 70s, but you just got, we just got it like back in the early 90s, right? Um, so, and, and, and then the microwave and so forth. There's the wisdom of man. Then the wisdom of, wisdom of the devil is earthly. The wisdom of the devil is earthly. It's unscriptural, it's demonic, as it says. But it's, it's, it's based, in, it's rooted in self-ambition, self-ambition. And so we hear even in the gospel of self-help that it's about you fulfilling your ambition, having an ambition for life, having the power of ambition. But how many know we need a God-given ambition, a God-centered ambition, having an ambition that is rooted in God, that you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be the best that God made you to be. Sometimes the wisdom of the world or the wisdom of man says you can do whatever you want to do. Um, when you put your mind to, you can be whatever you want to be. But as a Christian, you can't be what you want to be. As a Christian, you want to be what God made you to be, right? Come on. And you look at your, your, your gifts and your talents and so forth, and you, you, you assess those things, and you pursue your God-given ambition and not selfish ambition. Or oh, I want to be an engineer because it makes, they make more money. Well, is that really a God-given ambition, or are you going after the money? Because even as my dad talk, taught me when I sit down, I was going to be an engineer, he says, wait a minute. He said, you got to live and love science, and you don't live and love science. So I don't pursue, I don't encourage you to pursue this. You'll be miserable most of your days trying to get this money. <laughs> oh, I want to be a doctor. So you go to school for 12 years to learn how to pronounce words that most people don't know how to pronounce, and then you're dealing with blood, and you're dealing with patients, and you're dealing with death, and you're dealing with life, and, and do you have a mind for that? Do you have the skill set for that? Everybody's not designed. It really, you can't do whatever you want to do. You really should do what God has made you to do, and, that's, and, and that can be discovered through prayer and the word of God. Then we have the, um, so that's the wisdom of God, the wisdom of man, and the wisdom of the devil. Now, the wisdom of man has to submit to something, either the wisdom of God or the wisdom of Satan. And like we said last week, there are three wills. There are three wills. There's the will of God, then there's the will of man, and then there's the will of Satan. Satan has a will. Satan has a will. Well, where, where are you getting this from, Pastor Dwayne? I'm glad you asked. Go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy shows us the wisdom of Satan, or the will of Satan. God has a plan for your life. You may have a plan for your life. And then Satan has a plan for your life. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 simply says this, verse 25. It says, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth, that they may come to their senses 
an escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do what? His will. So there is a will of Satan. Satan has a will for your life. And you can abort that will by following the will of God. The will of man must be submitted to either the will of God or the will of Satan. Now, let me just say this. You can be under the influence of God for a moment and then be under the influence of Satan just like that. Let's go to a scripture, Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Are you getting anything out of this? Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. It says this. 16 verses 15 through 20. Matthew 16 verses 15 through 20 simply says this. And he said unto them, but who do you say that I am? Jesus, Jesus speaking. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Petra or Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So we see here that Peter all of a sudden had a revelation from heaven that Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the Christ. And so God the Father revealed to Jesus, I mean revealed to Peter, who Jesus is. How many know it takes a supernatural revelation from God to realize who Jesus is? You don't come to your own senses to, to say who Jesus is. You can study the historical Jesus, which is great, but to get a revelation of the living Jesus, living word, it takes God the Father. God, how many know that Jesus is building his church upon the revelation of who he is? He says, upon this rock, not on Peter himself, but upon this understanding, I am building my church. Upon who I am, who Je not who I am, but who Jesus is, he's building the church. And then he turns around and says, whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. So let's look at verse 21 through 23. It says, from the time... From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Imagine that. Jesus being rebuked by Peter. Saying, far be it from you, Lord. This should never happen to you. Now, this was the plan of God. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, who? Satan. Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So one moment, Peter got a revelation who Jesus is. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Peter, then Jesus began to talk about the plan of God. And then all of a sudden, Satan is under the influence of Satan. And he says, I rebuke you, be it far from you. This will not happen. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, for you do not desire the things of God, but you desire the things of man. You're setting your mind on the things of man. So notice that one moment Peter was yielded to the spirit, and the next moment he was yielded to the devil. How many know it's like that even now? You can be in the spirit for one moment, and be in the flesh in the next. 
You could be, oh, I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. And then somebody comes along and bumps you by accident. You're like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> or your kids get on your nerves. Get you out of the spirit real quick. I love you, Jesus. What do you want? Praying. <laughs> All right. So it is possible to be yielded to the spirit one moment and be yielded to the devil the next. Um, so this scripture tells us Jesus is telling of God's plan and Satan's influence upon Peter tried to hinder the plan of God. Satan will always try to hinder the plan of God. Satan sets our minds on things that is human, humanistic, things that are upon the earth. But the Holy Spirit will always set our minds on things that are above. Um, to be heavily minded is to be earthly good, contrary, contrary to the popular belief. Some people says to be heavily minded, you're no earthly good. Well, what they really mean is to be flaky minded. That's what they really mean, right? To be flaky, to be goofy in the mind. Uh, you know, every other word is Jesus, right? Uh, <laughs> that's flakiness. That's not heavily minded. But to be heavily minded is to be some earthly good. And to be earthly minded is to be no heavenly good. Amen. That went over really well. Colossians 3. Let's go Colossians 3 real quick. Colossians 3. I am almost finished, believe it or not. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. It says, um, oh, let's just start with verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. How many know that we need to set our minds on things that are above? You need to think about heavenly things. You need to think about Jesus. You need to think about the Holy Spirit. You need to think about the Father. You need to think about heaven. You need to think about the kingdom of God. You don't need to set your, all your attention on the things of the earth because the things that we see are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You're only, you're only going to live to be a small... Can you unplug that real quick? You're only going to live to be... Um, you have a short amount of time on the earth, a short amount. And most people live to be maybe 80, maybe 80, right, if they eat right, <laughs> exercise, maybe. Um, you have a short amount of time. So in, in comparison to eternity, you don't have a lot of time on the earth. Even if you live to be 120, it's still a short amount of time. How many know we're going to die one day? That's good news, right? <laughs> Every day that you wake up, you're one step closer to death. Let that weigh on you. You're not going to live forever. And the young is like, we're going to live forever. And then the, uh, the, the old is like, we're not going to live forever. How I many of you remember you were just in high school? Yeah. <laughs> and you graduate. It seems like after you graduate high school, everything goes up. <laughs> you know, you're 25 like PD. <laughs> PD just turned 25. <laughs> That's my identity. <laughs> uh, so you, you, you only live to be a small amount of time, and then all of a sudden life is like a vapor. You're here today, gone tomorrow. So what you, I love this from the movie Braveheart. He says, what you do now will echo in eternity. Your prayers will echo in eternity if you're praying properly. If you're praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And what you do, how you live right now will echo in eternity. There's some believers who will get in by the skin of their teeth but have no rewards. 
and there are others who will have rewards, and they'll have, they have earned something in front of God. See, salvation is free, but your reward is you have to fulfill God's plan for your life. There is a plan for God's life, for your life. God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. You know, life is not just about, you know, getting money. What if you became popular and you, became, you had all the money that you wanted? Then you still will not be happy, not true happiness. You still will not be fulfilled. Or you say, well, I can buy what I want to buy. See, uh, the lust of the flesh desires more. So the more you get, the more you want. It's never satisfied. You get something brand new, and it's like you're empty on the inside after a few moments, a few days. You get a new car. You're happy about the car, and then that only lasts. You get a new house, or you, you get some shoes or something, and you're happy about it, and then comes the emptiness shortly after. You, you're, you're not going to be happy with what you have and having more things. Right, let's look at this. Colossians chapter 3. Jump down to verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Notice that the Bible tells us what to do. You have to put to death some things. Some people are like, Lord, kill me, kill me if I don't preach the gospel. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, y'all don't know about that. But um, kill what's inside of me, Lord. And the Lord says, no, you kill it. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. In other words, it's not telling you to commit suicide. It's telling you what is earthly. And what is earthly? And it begins to tell us. Sexual immorality. That went over pretty well. Sex outside of marriage. Put that to death. Notice. I see kids in here. <laughs> um, the devil will have you to have lots of that outside of marriage and try to stop that within marriage. There is some sexless marriages in the Christian world, which is demonic. I heard a mentor friend, a mentor of mine <laughs> says, if you want to know how much the devil is in a marriage, go to the bedroom. And that went over really well. Huh? <laughs> so y'all better put on some Marvin Gate tonight. <laughs> Let's get it on tonight. <laughs> Tonight, let's get the devil out. <laughs> the pastor says, let's get the devil out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, kids, kids. Should have children. Sure. Um, <laughs> sexual immorality, right? Okay, and then it goes on a step further. Impurity. Impurity. That, that, that's kind of connected, right? So you, you are to put sexual immorality to death, and you're supposed to put impurity, impurity of heart, Impurity of mind, and it goes on passion or lust. Evil desire. What's evil desire? It's desires to do something evil. Evil desire. Put that to death. Covetousness, which is idolatry. So put idolatry to death. What is idolatry? Something that we put in place of God. It could be your job, it can be your car, it can be your, your looks. It could, it could be any, all those things. Put to death idolatry. Keep yourself from idols, as 1 John says. Little children, keep yourself from idols. So I mean, know that there are some Christians who have idols. Right, American idols. We have idols. We idolize ourselves, and that's a big idol, self-idolization. 
We idolize, we idolize our youth. And a lot of times, even at my job, they, they, it's all about the youth. Even in the church, it's all about the youth. And, and, and not realizing that that is not to be idolized because a young person is, fool, is foolish without the wisdom of the old. Mm-hmm. And so don't idolize your youth because your youth, some people spend their youth on the world and then decide want to serve God in their older age because they're getting closer to death. Uh, man, but, but the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, it says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Spend your youth serving God so that when you're older, you have something to testify to and to tell of his goodness. Instead of, I used to do these things. I was foolish and I pursued my wildlife. I sold my wild oaks. How many know that as a Christian, you shouldn't sow your wild oaks? Because there is a harvest coming. And the harvest can show up in your body and destroy you. And you're in the healing line. Lord, heal me. All right. Um, and it goes on. It says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. So God's wrath is upon those things. And in, the, in these, you to, in, in these too, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. I mean, no, we got to put those things. And I'm talking about God putting them away. I love the, 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 I think the spirit is behind it is good. Search me, oh God. And if there's anything in me, take it out. Y'all heard that prayer before, right? Who has not heard that prayer before? Okay, a couple people, all right. Um, he's only seven. <laughs> uh, Lord, remove whatever's inside of me. Take it out of me. That sounds good. But Paul is instructing this church to put to death the deeds of the body or earthly things. Put to death. You got to do something to it. It says if your arm offends you or your arm causes you to sin, cut it off. It doesn't literally mean to go and cut it off your arm, right? <laughs> but it, it means to cut off the source of whatever it takes. How, how, does, how is this related to Satan? I'm going to tell you in a minute. Um, Satan's schemes. And it goes on and says this. It says, um, verse 8, But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man. It goes on. So earthly things include anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk with your mouth. That, that speaks of profanity. How many know Christians should not be using profanity? I'm amazed at if you're texting a Christian and they're they're do the um, LMAO. I'm like, like, what is this? I mean, like, I get this on my job, but I don't expect this from a child of God. Oh, I I can't say it. I'll tell you later. (laughs) Um, Um, also, the Bible says, put away lying. How many lying Christians we have? Oh, don't raise your hand. You lie on your taxes. You lie to sneak your kids into the, onto the airplane. You, uh, no, they, they're, they're like, they're two, they're two. No, no, they're one and a half. Oh, let's go to the movies. They're one. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, you're claiming a kid who's 30 years old in Texas. <laughs> oh, your income taxes. All right, so lying, lying Christians, 
We got a lot of lying Christians. They are lying a minute. All right. They are lying a minute. And so uh, Satan uses earthly things to notice he's comparing what earthly he's telling you what earthly things are. Earthly things to deceive us and to trap us. He will also lead you into sin. Satan will lead you into sin. And we think that sin is something light. But the Holy Spirit will lead us into righteousness. All these things are part of his schemes. If he can get you into sin, he can get bondage into you. The Bible says, whoever, um, go over to James real quick. James chapter 1. Sin will, see, sin, the Bible says in John 8, that if you commit a sin, you become a slave to it. So we know that the certain sins that you commit, you become a slave to that sin. Smoking, how's that a sin, Pastor Dwayne? Well, you're destroying your temple. Overeating, gluttony, gossip, all those things will consider a sin. So uh, first, what did I tell you? James chapter 1, thank you. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, let's look at verse, um, verse 14 and 15. It says, but each person is tempted when he's lured or enticed by his own desire. Then the desire, is, the desire, then desire when it's conceived gives birth to sin. So the first thing is you start desiring it. You desire something that, it's God, that God forbids. You desire um, someone else's spouse. You desire someone else's things. Or you desire for a, 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 what you think is a better life, your desire. And you start desiring it, and what happens is it says, the desire will birth inside of you sin. And sin, when it's finished, it will produce death. Can I use you as an example? You have no choice, right? Turn around. Turn around. So uh, put your hands out. All right? So that's sin. That's enticing me. So sometimes what people do is they play around with it. Oh, this is wonderful. Oh, this is wonderful. Yes. I just ask God to forgive me. And, and then one day what happens is you grab hold of sin. Now grab hold of my arms. Yep. And I let go, but it doesn't let me go. Now it becomes a stronghold. Now it becomes abundant. Now no longer is pleasure. Thank you. No longer is pleasure. But now it becomes something part of you. It becomes part of your soul. Now it becomes a soul tie. Now it becomes a, a, a something that has a strong hold on you. And so sin does not stop. Sin will kill you. Sin will take you to the grave. And sometimes when we think about sin, we think about sexual sin. Don't limit sin to sexual sins. Right? Sin is anything that God tells you to go right and you go left. You just sin. So sin, and we need to distance ourselves from sin. We need to run from sin. We need to flee sin. If alcohol is, your, is the thing that, it, oh, it doesn't say not to get, you can't drink, but it tells us not to get drunk. And so we got to be careful about yielding ourselves to sin. Because what may, seems, it may seem innocent now will later on become an issue later on. Right. Gossiping now will not seem doesn't seem like it's harming anybody. But later on, it become something bad, horrible. Um, um, having your mind in a place that it should not be. How many know that we, we're to, we can't stop thoughts from coming, but we don't have to think about them. 
Thoughts will come. You will have thoughts to hit people. You have thoughts to cuss out people, but you don't have to yield to it. You're not going to get delivered from thoughts coming, but you, can't, you don't have to think about those thoughts. Let them keep going. The thought came. Don't act upon everything that comes across your mind. You'll get in trouble. There's some crazy things that come across your mind. Okay, so what? I want to punch him in his face right now. Let it, just let it keep going. Let it be like a bird. Don't let, don't let the bird set, settle in your mind and set up a nest. Then it becomes something strong in your heart, in your mind, and you can't get free from. And we're going to talk about soul ties in the days ahead, but, but, but it's you. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. So um, let those thoughts keep going. Don't meditate on those thoughts. Uh, these are schemes of the enemy. The devil wants to get you into sin. We, 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 we think lightly of sin. It, it, sin cost Jesus his life. And we're entertained with the sin that Jesus took Jesus to the cross. We, we're entertained by those things that, oh, man, that looks good. You know, uh, you know let, let me look at power. You know, let me look at whatever the case may be. We're entertained by those things that Jesus died for. And I, I like power. Who killed ghosts? I mean, I just understand. <laughs> Tell on myself. <laughs> But, but you, I, I was talking to a, a gentleman um, uh, the other day, and, uh, man, kids are here. But anyway, we won't talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about that next week. Get the tape, a CD, a link. Um, so we, we, yeah. So, yeah, we got to do those things. Uh, what, what we say and what we do, the enemy can use against us. Evil desires, idolatry, sexual appetite that's out of control, anger, wrath, profanity, impurity. These are schemes of the enemy. These are plots of the enemy, anger issues. You can't control yourself. The Holy Spirit will always cause you to be self-control. The enemy will always cause you to be out of control. The enemy will always tell you to give them a piece of your mind, and God will always tell you to give them the mind of Christ. The enemy will tell you to use your words to ensnare them, and God tells them to use your words to minister grace. Amen. The schemes and the plots of the enemy, we don't look at Satan, but Satan is behind that sin. Satan is behind that sin. That thing that is trying to entangle you, Satan is behind it. And how many know that Satan will wait 30 years, 40 years to get you? Just like the rock underneath that false, dripping faucet, it, it just, over time, it, 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 it chips away with that rock. Satan will wait for you. He knows what triggers you. He knows the person that turns you on, and he'll wait. To, see, sometimes people don't, they, they don't end up in that particular sin because they haven't met the right person. But meet the right person. Uh, soul ties doesn't always have to do with um, that thing, but it also has to do with emotions, being emotionally attached, where that person has a control over you. Mm. So real quick, how to stand against the schemes of the devil? How to stand against the schemes? Go back to Ephesians 6. How to stand against the schemes of the devil? Ephesians chapter 6, let's look at verse 10. 
Verse 10, it says, finally, brother, finally, finally, be strong in the Lord and the power, the strength of his might. So the first thing he tells us to do, be strong in the Lord. Some of us have been trying to get, use our strength, your strength. How many know that your strength is not enough? Don't think that you can stand against sin. Oh, I, 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 I can deal with that. How many people, how many people, the strong has even yielded to sin? Don't ever sit back and judge a person that says, oh, I can't believe they did that. Well, you didn't walk in their shoes. If you were in their shoes, you'll have more compassion. Be strong in the Lord and the power or the, of the strength of his might. Draw from the strength of God. And then it goes on, it says, then put on the whole, uh, and put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, when I was in high school, um, there were some crazy ideologies around putting on the armor of God. And there's this one ideology of every morning you get up and you put your shoes on and the breastplate of righteousness. I said, that's foolishness. Like, that's ridiculous. You're not, like, invisibly, I'm putting on the armor of God. Come on, come on, y'all. Did you got your armor on today? It was so whack. Like, really? Have we reduced the armor of God to some, some magical thing? Like, I mean, I mean, Disney, Disney Plus? I mean, just, like, it's just, like, really bad. Like, I mean, and some people think about the armor of God. Like, I'm putting on the armor of God. I'm going to be able to stand. Uh, it says that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So one of the reasons why you need to put the armor of God on is because there are some schemes, there are some weapons that are being formed. We don't want to confess that we have any weapons that's formed against us. But there are people who are against you. Everybody doesn't love you. And this is where you talk about the haters, all right? This is appropriate to talk about the haters. I hate when people talk about the haters. Uh, the haters, your haters, your haters. But really, there are people who are against you who are under the influence of the enemy. People who do, who do not mean you any good. Who, friends, there are friends who are jealous of you, who will get close to you to take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people who, who, who are sent to drain you emotionally. If you are in a relationship with somebody, not necessarily a girlfriend-boyfriend situation, but in a relationship with someone, and they drain you all the time, that's an indicator that it's not God. If you're being drained every single time you're with this person, that's not a friend. We got to watch our friends, right? Yeah. I mean, we may be called to minister, and you're not called to minister to everybody. That, that's not, this, is, this is not the case. That's not, you know, you got to understand that. It says, um, being able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. And it goes on, it talks about, how do we put the armor of God on? I'm glad you asked. We are, we'll talk about this real quick. It goes on, it talks about our... Um, it goes on, it says, and for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So notice this. If you look at the word stand, stand is mentioned six times in this passage, verses 10 through 20. Ten times it talks about standing. And it talks about to, um, that we're, to, we're wrestling not against flesh and blood. So what are we fighting? Are we, what are we fighting against? Well, last week I said you don't fight the devil, so how is it that we're wrestling now against these principalities, these authorities, these rulers? Well, we're to put them in their places. 
And where is the enemy supposed to be? He's supposed to be under our feet, according to Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. The devil is supposed to be under your feet, not in you, not on your shoulder, not in your mind, but under your feet. And the words against is mentioned six times in these 10 verses. Against, against, against. So we're to stand against the schemes of the devil, the plots of the devil. The devil may attack your mind, right? He attacks in our, our minds, our thought life. Um, he also attacks our bodies. Now, some people, the traditional men says, well, sickness is part of the Christian life. Well, we know from Jesus that Jesus went around ministering to people's physical bodies. So healing is part of the ministry of Jesus. So sickness and disease is not from God. That went over pretty well. Um, that common cold is not from God. And sometimes people have reduced the miracles and healings of Jesus to say, well, it's really representing our sins. It's, that's so whack. That's demonic at its origin. The Bible says in Acts 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. There was a woman who was bent over for many years, and the Bible says that she was bound. Satan bound her for many years. How many know there's some stupid devils who have you doing stupid things with your body? And there was a devil that had her bound where she could not bend up. I'm telling you, there are evil spirits at work when it comes to sickness and disease. And if you settle as if that's the will of God, then you'll never stand against it. I just accept it. That's part of your cross. Well, why is that part of my cross when Jesus became sick for me that I want so I can have his health? And so sickness and disease is, it, it, Satan is at the root of that. And so God gives us gifts of healings, workings of miracles, the land on the hands, the anointing of oil, to the prayer of faith to deliver those who are bound with sickness and disease. And sometimes there's an evil spirit at work. When you go and you have the surgery and it comes back. When you go and have a surgery again, it comes back. It keeps coming back. That is not, that, that is something supernatural. And so here, this woman is bound, and Jesus says to her, woman, you are loose from, from your infirmities. And, and, and Satan had to lift up his grip off of this woman. And so we stand against things in our minds, things in our bodies, and our finances, wrestle not against flesh and blood. That means it's not against people. You're not fighting against people. Sometimes you want to take it on the person, right? But you got to see the spirit behind that person. The battle is not a natural battle. I mean, you can't just go up and, and cut them. Like, no, you cut them. I kill them. Um, we're, 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 and then it goes on and says, we're wrestling against rulers and against authorities, a cosmic, cosmic powers over this present darkness, and spiritual forces and evil uh, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so we see Satan's military ranking. It starts out with rulers, then authorities, then cosmic powers, and then spiritual forces of evil. Different levels of demonic powers and activities. Most Christians are dealing with low-level low level devils that I know. Most Christians I know. Let me tell you what kind of low-level devils are. Devils of offense, devils of anger, devils of lust, devils of not coming to church, devils of not tithing, devils of not reading the Bible on a regular basis, devils that keep them from praying. 
That's most Christians that I know are on low-level devils. We, we ain't dealing with no spiritual forces in, evil, in, in high places. We can't deal with the devil that won't even, we can't deal with the devil that won't even deal with us uh, taking authority over the trash bag or tra garbage or, 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 you know, can't get, get over, our, you know, the devils that's messing with us from our neighbor or on our jobs. We, we, we have not even overcome those devils. You know, reading the Bible, I, I read it when I need it, you know. I pray when I need to pray. I mean, you, it's low-level devils. Satan is not sending his number one soldiers out towards you or towards me if we're still on low-level Christianity. You're not a threat. You may not. Most likely, the statistic is you won't fulfill the will of God, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> You'll tap a little bit in it. You know, you, you, you'll become a little somewhat a threat. But you won't really give your, your entire life to God and his kingdom. So just low-level devils. Let's convince them not to come to church. Let's convince them not to read the word. Let's convince them not to witness. Been ashamed to open their mouth. Oh, man, every time I open my mouth, I witness, I, I feel ashamed. Right? That's low-level. I'm not praying. But it goes on, it says, um, verse 13, let's look at verse 13. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. Notice this, that it says withstand in the evil day. What's the evil day? The day that evil visits your house. That's the evil day. Are you going to be able to stand when evil comes to your house? Are you able to stand when evil is knocking at your door. Having done all to stand simply means to um, don't bow, don't, um, don't give up, don't cave in, don't quit. The word stand, stand firm, stand is mentioned at least four times, and it talks about the different armor. Real quick, let's go over there. It says the belt of truth, integrity, truth tellers, no deceit in their mouths. A person of, the, of their word. So that, that's an armor. That's a belt of truth. Are you a truth teller? Do you tell the truth at all times? Do you tell the truth even to your own? Do you keep your word even if it's to your own hurt? That's the belt of truth. That keeps your pants up, right? Uh, that keeps you together, like not being exposed. The belt of truth. Then it talks about the breastplate of righteousness. It protects your heart, right standing, doing what is right, the fruit of righteousness, living out your right standing with God. Then it talks about the shoes of, of readiness, of the gospel of peace, being willing to go into all the world, in your world, and preach the gospel of peace, glad tidings of peace, being willing to preach, stay ready to share the gospel. Then it goes on and talks about the shield of faith, using your faith at all times, extinguishing the flaming darts of the evil one. The enemy, how many know the enemy is forming weapons against us? Weapons are formed against our minds, our emotions. I mean, know that sometimes if you ever feel like giving up or depression or, or those, those are, that, that's a devil. That's a devil on you. All right, so here's Alfred from a touching. So this is what the devil does, all right? 
he yells in your emotions. Be depressed. Laugh at that dirty joke. <laughs> Be angry. <laughs> you wrestle not against flesh and blood. <laughs> I'm the devil right now. <laughs> so you can't, you can't fight me right now. <laughs> Not like that. Um, so, so, so the devil, what he does, he yells at our emotions. Be down. Imagine yourself in a, in a coffin. Think about your funeral. Y'all ever, whoever, be honest, whoever thought about your funeral? Oh, I thought it was just me. <laughs> so you, in your mind, you planned your funeral, and you're, you're feeling the love because you're thinking about all the people that's going to be crying over you. That's a devil. <laughs> Lie. <laughs> no, sit down, sit down. So, so we get all the, y'all give it up for Alfred, for, for Matutcha. <laughs> Representative Matutcha, yeah! <laughs> By way of Ghana. <laughs> uh, so, so we see the enemy, sometimes he messes with our emotions. I mean, sometimes you're happy. Oh, I'm so glad to be saved. Oh, I love Jesus. I love, you know, the songs, the Christian songs. And I'm dancing, I'm rejoicing. And all of a sudden, yeah. And all of a sudden, a few moments later, I feel down. You know, you didn't accomplish anything. You're just a nobody. Let me attack your self-esteem. Let me, let me get you to think suicide. Kill yourself. Come on, come on, you can do it. I mean, I, don't judge me. But I had thoughts like, oh, you know, parents, I mean, my parents were close and, and, and just like, you know, they did something that got on my nerves or got messed me with me. I should go get a girl pregnant. Man. <laughs> I had those thoughts. And then Courtney never would have married me. <laughs> she said, I don't want nobody with no kids. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. I told too much information. Uh, <laughs> but you, you, <laughs> you have thoughts. Like, you should just go off on them. Just go off on them. You know, and, 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 and sometimes he, the devil uses m music, set the mood. You know, like it's just that music touches you in a way that nothing else will. It'll make you do things, make you forget about common sense, God sense. And, and it'll get you angry. Certain songs will get you upset. Some songs get you lustful. Certain songs, I mean, it just make you at peace, think you're at peace. Oh, this is so good. I love this song. You know, um, emotions. So the devil uses emotions to attack his people, to God's people. He, he, I mean, it's like he'll, he'll make you think you're crazy. He'll make you think you sin things. Like th there, are, there are things that are at work that we don't even know of. Make you forget stuff.
weapons that are formed. Your finances, your body, your family relationships, drama. The devil will tell you that that person doesn't like you. Or somebody look at you the wrong way. You ready to fight? Like, really? A look? A look? So emotions. Then you have helmet of salvation. You got to guard your mind. You got to be reminded what Jesus did for you. Don't neglect your great salvation, what it is and what was accomplished and who it was to accomplish it and how to appropriate the benefits of salvation. The helmet of salvation. You got to guard that mind. That mind is the battleground. That mind is, is the battleground between the soul and the spirit. It, 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 it links us. The devil goes after our mind. If, if you can beat the devil in the realm of reasoning, you can get him every time. He, the devil uses the mind to come again. The mind is part of your soul, and so he goes after your mind. And so your soul is like in the middle. You got your spirit, you got your flesh, and your soul, whatever your soul, whoever your soul yields to, that's the part of you that's going to win. And so will you yield to your flesh or will you yield to the, the spirit that is born of God? And then you got the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You got to meditate on it. You got to fight the enemy with the word. Matthew 4, the Bible says, Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Now, this is a part of the armor that nobody, I'm almost finished, I promise. We're almost, um, this is the part of the armor that a lot of people neglect, which is verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit. So if you notice the armor, armor only covers the front part of you. So your backside, your backside is exposed. I want to submit to you that prayers from the brothers and sisters will cover your backside. Let me show you scripture. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for who? All the saints. So your prayers for your brothers and your sisters will cover their back. So we're to, so if you, come on, stand up again. Turn the other way. So if he's fighting the enemy, got an armor on, I'm fighting the enemy, we got our backs towards each other, and someone's praying for us, our backs are covered. Mm -hmm. But what happens is we don't pray enough for each other, and so therefore when we hear about a soldier in the army of the Lord being wounded, we don't cover them in prayer. Because we didn't cover them with prayer. You, if you pray at all times in the spirit, by the help of the spirit, praying in, the, in tongues, praying in English, praying in Spanish, whatever language you're part of, um, Portuguese, uh, praying out the will of God for them, praying that word over them, it will cover them and it will keep them from being attacked from the back. Thank you. Amen. Praying at all times with all prayers. And so it, that lets me know that you got to pray with all prayers. There's some people who always want to pray. They want to pray in, in English or in their native tongue. You need to pray in tongues. You need to pray in a prayer agreement, prayer consecration, prayer of faith, prayer of scriptures, prayer of supplication, prayer of intercession. These are things that will protect each other. You got to pray. That prayer covers the backside of us. That's part of the armor of God. Prayer is. And then last but not least, and it talks about praying for your leaders, also for me that words may be given to me to open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel, for I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare the word of God with boldness. So you need to pray for your leaders where boldness is concerned, to proclaim the word. Pray for that they may speak the word of God with clarity. 
So that's the armor of God. That's how you stand against the things of the enemy, the wiles, the schemes of the enemy. It's taking that word and putting that armor on that, that being a person of integrity, living out your faith, living out your righteousness, take, being ready to share this gospel, being willing to take the, the shield of faith. When the enemy, he, he's sending darts, and you take that word, and, and you know, with the word, the sword of the spirit, and, you, and you're fighting the enemy against, you're reminding the enemy that he's a defeated foe. Amen. You're having prayers against each other. Father God, I thank you for this time. As, as we shared about the schemes of the enemy, every eye closed, every head bowed. And I thank you, Father. I pray that you'll grant it to those who are in need of salvation. Pray that you'll grant them the gift of repentance to the knowledge of the truth. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Dwayne, I'm not born again. I want to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from my sins. Saved from hell. Saved from That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.